This morning, I want us to look closely at a very familiar story found in Luke chapter 2. And so if you brought your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, the story of the shepherds and the angel appearing to them by night. We were in staff meeting early this week. I just want you to know, in case some of you all were timing this, we were in staff meeting early this week, Mike and Dustin and I deep in thought, and we were looking over the order of service. And so I called up Mallory. Mallory's a person you don't see. She's always behind the scenes, helping make things happen. And I called up Mallory. I said, Mallory, we really think that on Christmas Eve, we don't need to have as long a service as we normally have. I, I was waiting for that. And I said, I really think that I need to be up and speaking at the 25-minute mark. We are at the 25-minute mark. They did that. So I said, my goal is that we would go on, be going into that time of response to the Lord at the 45-minute mark. There's a pause on the phone, and she bursts out laughing. <laughs> Why is that funny? Such silence. Okay. Well, the staff and I thought it was hilarious, too. But, um, but we, are, we are trying to abbreviate this. He drives away all fear. There's a detail here in Luke chapter 2 that speaks to fear and anxiety and worry. It speaks to a lot of things, but, but it especially speaks to those things. And for many of us, Christmas, at least in our minds, is supposed to be a happy celebration, time with family and friends, but, but many of us experience it differently. We have challenges, we have difficulties, we have relationship problems, and then there may be just simply things that you're dreading about this holiday period. It may be because it's the first time that you're doing it without someone special or precious to you. It may be because of something that's coming up in the new year and you're concerned about what the new year holds and you're anxious about that. It may be because you've got things happening just exactly this week and you don't know what the future holds. Anxiety and fear are probably some of the most powerful feelings and emotions that you and I have. And, and this passage of Scripture at Christmas time is one that we very much need to hear because it speaks to part of the reason why he came in the first place. So in Luke chapter 2, if you found verse 8, Luke chapter 2 verse 8, you can follow along as I read the Scripture. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. The Bible describes how the angel appeared. 
Most of the time when angels appeared in Scripture, people were afraid. And, and Gabriel was getting a workout in this Christmas story. He appears to Mary. He appears to Joseph. He appears to Zacharias. I don't know that he's named here, but, but I would assume perhaps it's Zacharias, uh, Gabriel also. We don't know. But when an angel appeared to someone in Scripture, it was a terrifying experience. But the Scripture adds something else to this. Not only is the shepherd standing there in front of this angel, but it says the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The shepherds were used to the dark. In fact, the Bible, the way it's worded here, it's saying that they were living in the fields, living with the animals. And, and so they were used to the dark. And, and in fact, shepherds were actually some, a group of people, a class in society in that day and time that people were afraid of. They, they were considered to be on the lowest rung of the social ladder, and they were like thieves, and they were, they were scary people. They didn't scare easily. And the Bible uses, in the original language, uses three words. It says, they were afraid with great fear. They were terrified. They were terrified. Now, was it just because of the bright light and the angel? It was no ordinary light. We're sitting in light right now. You're not particularly afraid. This was the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord is not like any light that you and I have ever seen. If I had a special flashlight, this one is not special, okay? But if I took this and I shined it at you and there was darkness, I could light up the dark places. And it would be very hard to stay dark if I was shining this light on you. The glory of God is a light unlike any light you've ever seen because it is a light of truth. And in the presence of God, you cannot hide who you are or what you are. And the world can't hide. That's why John would later write that the world hates the light. Because it exposes not just darkness, it exposes the very core of who we are, that we're broken people, that something is wrong with me, that something's not right with me, and something's not right in the world in which I live. And if you can imagine being a person who's used to not being transparent with the people around them, and suddenly there's this light, and you can't hide, and you feel like everything there is to know about you is completely exposed, that's what was happening to these men. They were afraid. No secrets. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, a surprising thing takes place next. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. The most terrifying moment of their lives. Angel says, You don't have to be afraid. How? How is it possible that you and I in the presence of a holy God, in the most terrifying moment of our life, could be completely free from fear? That's the question I want to answer. How he can make you fearless for the rest of your life? There's a story here within the story. I want you to see it. Number one, he speaks to your need. He makes you fearless for the rest of your life because he speaks to your need. In verse 10, again, it says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
do this. It's a command. It's imperative. This is what God wants you to do in this moment. This is what he wants for you in this moment. And so there's a way for them in that moment to no longer be afraid. And it begins as they listen. It begins as they pay attention. It begins in their mind. Because that's where most of our fear takes place, isn't it? Fear doesn't take place out here or over there or in that guy or that guy. When I'm afraid, it happens here. It happens in me. And so the first step in dealing with the fear starts in my mind. What am I thinking about? And the Lord is saying to these men, it is possible for you to not be afraid. In fact, they would go, I believe, for the rest of their life and never be afraid of anything again. It's possible. There are people you know who are afraid of certain things, and you sort of laugh at them. Don't look at them right now. But there are people in your family sometimes. They're afraid of certain things. You're not afraid of those things. In their mind, it's scary. In your mind, it's not scary. And so it's, it's something that you must know, and God wants you to know that he doesn't want you to be afraid. So that's the first step. How can he make you fearless the rest of your life? He speaks to your need. Number two, he shifts your attention. He shifts your attention. Again, in verse 10, it says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold. And that's a word that simply means look with your eyes. Look. Think. Pay attention. Because if I don't do that, if I don't shift my eyes off of whatever's causing my fear, if I just constantly look at my problem, if I constantly look at my situation in earthly terms, if I'm constantly focused on that, I'll never be afraid of my fear, uh, free of my fear. And so I've got to shift my attention. And so he says, behold, i got something else for you to look at. i got something else for you to think about. And he shifts that attention away. Fear has a way of riveting our attention on the thing that we're afraid of. Have you ever been deathly afraid of someone or something? When you're that afraid, that's all you can think about. If you've ever struggled with a real phobia, you know it's all-consuming. It keeps you up at night. You can't sleep. It's like the whole world has been reduced to one pinpoint of light, and it's that thing that you're looking at that makes you afraid. If you're going to be free, it begins in your mind, and you've got to shift your attention to something else. These men are terrified, but this angel has something they need to hear. He says, look, behold, pay attention. Number three, he lets you know he is near. He's going to set you free from fear for the rest of your life. You've got to know he's near. In verse 10, again, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I bring you... Um, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Tidings of great joy. And this, this is the thing that they need to give their attention to is that God is no longer way out there in the distance. No longer is He distantly uninvolved and uninterested in your life. But there is born for you this day. God has come to you. God is coming to you. He says you need to think about that. The implications of that. There's a message here in four, in four words. And messages are important in the Bible. 
The message of the cross has a power to change our lives, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so messages are important. Well, there's a message here in four words. Born. In fact, if I was reading my Bible right now, I'd underline that word born. I think it's in most, most of your Bibles, and I would circle it or underline it. That's the first part of the message. Something has been born. A baby has been born. He's coming to you. You can't get to him, but he can get to you. Every other religion on the planet is all about what you've got to do to get to some kind of a God. In our understanding of what God has done in Christ, God has not waited for you to get to him. He's come to us. He's been born. Second word, Savior. Savior. From what? From sin. We've seen, and as we've been reading these stories week by week, how the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's what he saves us from. He's a Savior. Christ is the third word. That means anointed one. The Hebrew word is Messiah. The anointed one was the hope of Israel. He was the one who was going to come. Israel for centuries has been beaten down by their enemies, has no hope, no future, no kingdom, no survival, nothing to look forward to but darkness, except the Messiah is coming. He's the anointed one. And through this anointed one, God is going to manifest his rule on earth. Everything that's been broken from the fall of man to your most recent sin, all of that is going to be wiped away. He's going to establish life as he intended it to be lived. And it's a good one. The Messiah, the Christ, has been born, a Savior. The last word is Lord. He's, he has uh, been born. He's a human being. He is, he is a Savior who rescues us from our own sin, stupidity. He is the Christ, the anointed one who's going to come and put everything right that's been broken in history. But he's also the Lord. And in the Hebrew mind, the Lord is the most common way they referred to God. If you read the Psalms, you read about the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, over and over and over again. He is the Lord. He is the Master. He is the Creator. He's the one that made you, and He knows you. He is the Lord. He's no ordinary baby. He is God who has come and been born. He lets you know He's near. These guys, of all the people that this announcement could have been made to, in all the places on the planet where Jesus could have been born, none of us would have picked Bethlehem, and none of us would have picked those shepherds. But that's what God did. The fourth thing I want you to see, and the last thing, is that he draws you into life with him. If you're going to be free from fear the rest of your life, this is the most important thing you need to hear. If you've heard nothing else, you need to hear this. He draws you into life with himself. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swathing cloths, lying in a manger. You will find. He says this is what's going to happen. You're going to find him. Uh, he didn't tell them to do this. He didn't tell them to go to Bethlehem. He didn't tell them to go look. He knew what they were going to do next. You, if you had heard about the greatest person in history being born, and they told you where, wouldn't you want to go? I mean, right now, if I told you some famous superstar was going to be at the local McDonald's this afternoon at 2 o'clock, forget those presents, you'd be at the McDonald's. 
Some of you. Depending on who it was. Well, that's what these guys were doing. They were headed to that, they were headed to that manger. And the angel knew they were going and wanted them to know what to expect. He's easy to find. I don't know how many babies were born on that Christmas Eve. But there were none that could be found in a manger that night in Bethlehem except Jesus. Except Jesus. They had to go and see him. Now, this is the most important thing. One counselor wrote these words. Listen to me. Focus on your fear and your panic will increase. Focus on your shepherd and your heart will be at peace. Focus on your fear and your panic will increase. Focus on your shepherd and your heart will be at peace. The key to eradicating fear is to go to Jesus. There are certain people that make you feel safe. Jesus can make you feel safe forever. Throughout the Old Testament, as they anticipated the coming of the Messiah, they anticipated someone who would do exactly that, who in his presence they would feel safe. No enemy could defeat them. No one could overcome them. No one could destroy them. No one could accuse them. No one could separate them because in the presence of God you are safe. We read about it in passages like Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Why? For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Two verses later, he says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. His presence is the key to your fearlessness. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 118, verse 6, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. So clearly in the Old Testament, fearlessness was linked to knowing that God is with you, resting in that truth. In Matthew 1.23, this is what was said of Jesus. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Dear one, if you know him, there's no reason for you to be afraid this morning. When I was a kid, I grew up running all over the neighborhood till late at night. My mama would go to the screen door and holler out when it was time for me to come in. I don't know how, but I could hear her a mile away. And I knew 